going on, boys and girls? You are listening to Heavy Metal Parking Lot, presented by Darwin's Family Crest. I am Derek, I'm joined by Jeremy, and we are obviously covering some monsters tonight. So, what do you, uh, uh, what's your, uh, what's your poison tonight, my brother? Oh, dude. So, about two weeks ago, I think right at the beginning of this fucking COVID trash, I woke up the one Friday to a new Lamb of God single, Memento Mori, Remember You Will Die. Um, It's, I mean, let's start with the fact that we're going down the Latin route again, and that just, that's an auto-sell for me, you know? Because Latin, we're just, both of us, since we started either of these projects, it's an instant draw for us. And having known what Memento Mori meant for a long time, I figured this was going to be a deep one. And it is. It's a fucking scorcher from start to finish. Yeah, it's really a... It's hard to believe that uh, Joe Pataliano isn't uh, doing the the interlude for this <laughs> entire thing at this point. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, man. I, I just... I can't believe when I turned it on the first time and Randy Blythe is doing his classic. He doesn't drink anymore, but it just reminds me of a black label draw. Like he's singing, but he's real fucking deep, you know, for the ladies. But um, <laughs> I didn't. Is it, I, is it I, for the ladies? I don't know if it's for the ladies or not, but the deep, the deep, low singing i'm like i don't know i hope this one picks up and goddamn does it pick up and um the first experience of uh watching this i was watching the video and it just goes buck wild at the point where it turns into a lamb of god song instead of an intro and if i'm not mistaken because this is a forthcoming album i believe this is the opening track on the album and it seems like a perfect opening track for an album because it starts slow and it's just like, Oh, what's, what's this? Oh, I guess Lamb of God went soft. Oh wait, no, never mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still really hooked, hooked up on, uh, uh, on, uh, the, the, the low bass for the ladies. Uh, you it know, is for the ladies, that's a move I used to try. It didn't go over as well, but no, I love it though. I mean, I, but I mean, if you want to talk about Lamb of God and uh, uh, doing a <laughs> uh, a nice little like low draw for the ladies, a little I mean, ditty for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's like like let's just rattle let's just rattle some of those inner walls at this point. Uh, you know, I, I like again if like again Metamori is obviously the song for the night, um, but it is also like he's he's no um he'll you know he'll show up on a on quite a few of uh, uh, covers uh, and uh you know if you want to talk about that low draw for the ladies how about him covering mitch lucker uh in the suicide oh, version of you only live once and I don't necessarily, I don't, I mean, maybe I don't need to get into it this early, but God damn, I mean, I, we're already talking about the draw. So, I mean, yeah. 
let's just let the things perfume at this point. So that's pretty much my way, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, if God's honest truth, first song I ever heard by Suicide Silence was "You Only Live Once." So for me too, long after the memorial show, after Mitch was killed in a motorcycle accident, for me to see that particular song and Randy Blythe singing that song it just it's perfect and the video for that it just looks like it was among the coolest concerts ever to be at it was just all love for this guy and you know randy definitely gave it 120 percent for that performance that's asking a lot for him because he randy Blythe strikes me as a guy that He's sort of a low-energy Larry, but he gets over on everything that he reaches for and everything that he tries to do. And I love that about him. I love that everything sort of seems like it's like off the cuff. Like, we're doing this first shot, first time, and I think that shit's great because it would make so many things easier in our day-to-day. If just the first time, the first shot is just Randy Blythe doing what he fucking wants. It's, I mean, Lamb of God is, honest to God, it's, it's, it's the paradigm for life. You know, the way that he sets shit up. Because if you look straight down the line, uh, and actually even, even some of his, his interviews, uh, he's, he's not the ideal uh like metal lead at this point because he sort of has this weird opinion um are you familiar with what i'm talking about here he has this weird opinion of the uh of 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 growling and the whole the whole like metal kind of bit yeah he thinks it's shit he's not a metal head he's he's through hardcore punk like old school punk bad brains and fucking shit like that like he's always been a punk head and uh, it's funny just some hillbilly from richmond virginia ends up in one of the greatest american metal bands of the last 20 years and isn't a metal head yeah i mean but though he i mean for the first what i think it was like eight eight or ten years like he had a really really good lead guitarist with him and mark morton so like that really helped uh, i mean I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to discount, you know, anybody that's come before that, or I'm sorry, after that. And, you know, I, as far as, I mean, we're, we're sort of skirting Lamb of God, uh, by not mentioning burn the priest. And, uh, um, uh, I, I can't was... get into burn the priest as much. Yeah. They have two albums, one that recently came out and one that, uh, predates lamb of god and randy is definitely rawer in the mm-hmm. original and it's all covers on the one that came out uh, i want to say 18 it might have been last year i don't remember but they have anything from ministry to melvin's covers on it and they're good covers but it's just like why did you do this Instead, like, this is the last album you choose to have a god-tier drummer like Chris Adler on. I don't I don't really get why you did this, but okay. But, but to be fair, though, from Ministry to Melvin's is, it 
definitely demonstrates depth, which I appreciate wholeheartedly. I do and, too. And and uh, the other thing that I appreciate from a from a cover standpoint is he actually sort of jump started and probably put the paddles to Chino Moreno whenever he did uh, the cover of Embers because normally you need someone to elevate Chino. And believe me, I'm a Deftones fan. I want to love the Deftones. But they put White Pony out, and I, like, again, aside from Passenger, I'm I'm a hard sell on everything past White Pony up until, I don't know, 2016, 2017. Yeah. I just I, I like like whenever Chino said like I don't want to hurt my voice and stuff like that I kind of felt the same way um, whenever I mean pretty much I mean literally whenever anyone is like look I'm I, I blew my shit out that's fine I, I, I but don't go team sleep don't yeah. don't don't go team sleep there's there's a move there there's a lateral move and but at least Randy Blythe got the most out of Chino Moreno who I, I would imagine if he's assigning himself to that, because I don't mind this. I like, I don't mind this collab. Uh, normally I'm really, really critical of things that he's done past. I mean, I don't know, past 2003. Yeah. I, I would have to agree with that. Um, White pony. I think they peaked if we're talking in the death tones canon. Um, I still, my God, Around the Fur is definitely in my Deftones album. I never really got... What was Adrenalize was the first one? Adrenaline, yeah. Adrenaline. Mm. Adrenalize is a shitty uh, In This Moment song. But <laughs> I, I won't get into Maria Brink tonight. Um, yeah, Around the Fur, I remember Jason and I listening to all through high school. Just cranking the shit out of it but i uh, i saw them live shortly after that and just he seemed like a whiny bitch and he tried to stage dive and the crowd literally like moses splitting the red sea fucking <laughs> moved out of the way and chino marino fell on his fucking head at penn state and i was like yeah get his ass yeah look i'm not gonna say though that I mean, it's it wasn't on Lamb of God and Randy Bly to you know to re you know to restart Chino Moreno's career because we're talking about 2003 and I God damn it you know changing the House of Flies people love that fucking song dude can we just please agree that that song's fucking trash it's yeah it's, it's just I I could do the vocals of that. I mean, like, even then, even at my drunkest, even at my worst, it's just him whining. Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand why that song's so popular. It sounds like a perfect, uh, or I'm sorry, it sounds like a positive test for COVID-19, if you <laughs> want me to be honest with you. Um, I was going to say. Pound sand. I was, I was going to say. uh <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> hashtag wash your goddamn motherfucking hands. Um, <laughs> no, I was gonna say it sounds like a test to see if your cat is in heat, but yeah, <laughs> it's just 
I don't understand the Chino love, but to steer it back to Lamb of God, the first, uh, the first song I ever heard by them, and it's bizarre because Nikki and I pretty much fell in love with Lamb of God at the same time. Um, the first song that I ever really heard that drew me the fuck in was off, uh, Ashes of the Wake. It's called Omerta, and has a spoken word intro, uh, basically, God, I'm not going to try to paraphrase it right now, but basically, if I live, I will kill you. If I die, you are forgiven, such is the rule of honor, and just... (laughs) randy saying that and it's like okay uh if you need if you need cops to help you if you do me wrong to, uh you're a piece of shit if i live i will kill you if i die you are forgiven and that drew me in and then this chugging fucking guitar riff on that i think it's the first song i heard when we accidentally saw them live and it's like oh shit what because randy's voice Wow, I now love it. It's now part of my favorite metal voices of all time. It's kind of grating when you first hear it. It's very gravelly. It's very different. And I didn't get into Lamb of God for the first 15 years. They were a band, dude. Which is fucking wild. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, provide a little background here because uh, you've you've opened up a deep dig here. So Omerta is actually a southern Italian code of silence. Oh, it's Sicily. Yeah, I know. It's the Sicilian mafia code. Yeah, it places important on silence in the face of questioning by authorities or outsiders, non-cooperation uh, with the government or any outsiders, and willfully ignoring... and or generally avoiding interference with the illegal activities of others yeah it's no it's pretty solid i mean like and again it is so punk of randy Bly to do this oh yeah i i again i'm also gonna go ahead um and agree with you the first time i heard lamb of god was a track from ashes of the wake I heard lay the rest on guitar hero mm-hmm. and this is so fucking weak <laughs> to, to, to say that that's how I heard, heard them the first time, but it was in 2005 and they released, um, uh, from ashes of the wake. Yeah. Uh, August, what I think it was August, August of 2004. Yeah. So like, so, so you were in, so you at least had her. The one thing that I did notice about, I mean, because you talk, you touched on the Latin uh, memento mori. Um, there's, it was also the second highest debuting single uh, from Lamb of God. Um, That's awesome. I didn't which, know that. Yeah. So, again. Maybe the, you know, maybe there's, again, maybe we're a little bit behind. Maybe DFC and Heavy Metal Parking Lot is behind the resurgence a little bit. Yep, um, 100%. That's, <laughs> for that, <laughs> that's what we're working for. Like, this is the first time that we've uh, we, we, we brought up uh, these gentlemen on our show and that kind of thing. And, uh, again, we, we almost brought them up last week, except um, they became, you know, pretty important for this week so um um i'm getting pretty close to where i could put a 
little bell on Lamb of God because we will be seeing Lamb of God more in the heavy metal parking lot. But I want to touch on a couple of these lyrics that kind of like hit me. Um, this is peppered deeply with wake up, wake up, wake up throughout, both in like a internal voice and Randy screaming it. And it, as stupid as it sounds, I mean this shit going on in the last month in this world is a very big wake-up call that it's not all just about you it's not all just about anything everybody needs to wake up and realize that any one of us could be dead tomorrow yeah which is the 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 linchpin in this song you know and um these lyrics it reads like poetry as long as you are reading along or know Randy's voice at this point, a depression fed by overload, false perceptions, the weight of the world, a universe in the palm of your hand, the artifice of endless strands. Like he's just going into how the world looks bad, but it can always get worse and you could be dead tomorrow and you should really wake up and realize that every moment is a gift you know, and f- to hear that kind of a message from Lamb of God, it's just like pretty neat. I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say about that. I sound like a moron, but it's it's pretty neat to have a metal band telling you to wake the fuck up. You still have your life right now, you know? You know, I had a I had a very, very similar sort of feeling, but from a different like band perspective. Um after they dropped in really, really hard, somewhere around like the the minute twenty, minute thirty second era, like area of the song, mm-hmm. it reminded me a little bit of a Norma Jean like anti mother or sorry, death of the anti mother kind of track. Yeah, and I know that's the fucking ever living, um, you know, metalcore like hunk of trash human being that i am at that point but to be fair i don't think it's wrong because it could have very easily went in that direction but but it didn't and i was like i like i was sort of i had this weird anticipation i was like man if this if this track went this way i would be fucking vibing it like i would be like I'd be all over this shit and it's like, Oh, and then it went in a different direction. And then that's, that's what kind of brought me in on it a little bit is that, is that it kind of spiked that entire idea that it doesn't have to land where you think it's going to. And I think that's probably part of it because there aren't, there aren't too many, there aren't too many bands out there where you say, I look at like, I look at how things are setting up and if it goes this way, I'm good. But if it also goes this way, I'm also good. And yeah. Lamb of God seems to set these fucking precedents up all the time where it's like, I'm sort of fine. Just like I trust, like in Randy, I trust almost. It's yeah. weird. Like you almost buy into his fucking bit. And I like that about him because you don't know what you're going to get. And you're, it doesn't matter at that point. If you, if you like it, fine he's not gonna fucking care if you don't like it he's not gonna fucking care and i like that i love that shit about him and 
Sorry. Last thing I'll say about Randy is I've seen them two or three times live. And um, if you can tell me another 49 currently year old man that has the energy he does on stage, I'll probably call you a liar because the motherfucker is jumping off of shit. He's running around T-Rexing around on stage. Just he's an intimidating dude. You would think he was half the age he is, you know, it's, (laughs) It's fucking crazy. Um, when when uh, the last time I saw them was at the Electric Factory in Philly, which at this point, it used to be an inside venue, but it's pretty much just a stage in a parking lot in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And it was uh, me and Nikki and Becky in this fu- and uh, their boyfriends and Rain. Big Red and the Savage rain just rain 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 and there was lightning so they were putting the show off they were putting the show off we're standing in the fucking rain just getting wetter and wetter looking like drowned rats <laughs> and eventually it kind of passed over a little bit and lamb of god took the stage and randy's like you guys are all fucking crazy for still being here but i'm gonna give her hell and god damn did they ever it was a wild show Love that whole bit. That's fucking awesome. I mean, it, because it's insane, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know that I could pick, you know, in the last eight years of the human beings that I have met. I, it would be that very, very short pool of people that would stand in the fucking rain to hear Lamb of God play a fucking live show. Yeah, I'm so, gonna, I can't, I'm not gonna share this on the show or anything, but. As we speak right now, I'm going to send a picture to you. Um, Yeah, it was a fucking great night. And in the moment, I wouldn't have believed it. But, like, it was so much fucking fun, especially in retrospect, to just, oh, my God. Yeah, we're going to get pounded on rain forever. This parking lot is literally going to turn into a fucking river and... It's just there's going to be people like all but trampling each other, but we're all there out of love to see this fucking crazy band from Richmond, you know, and Philly, for as long as I can remember, has pretty much been their unofficial home away from home. I mean, they did their only official current official live album in Philly and called it Philadelphia. And Philly's a crazy place to see a metal band in a parking lot on the bad end of town, dude. Yeah, uh, we are probably going to end up closing on uh, what heavy metal, what Philadelphia River at this point, you know, pretty much right adjacent to the school. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and cut this one and we'll play the song and we'll get into your choice here in a second.
And we're back to Heavy Metal Parking Lot. This is still Derek, and he's still Jeremy. Hey. Hi, buddy. Hi. And um, I made a a very aloof reference to the Deftones, but had a very, very great song off of White Pony um, called Passenger. Oh, yeah. That song is not our focus for tonight, but it's where we're going to start because I feel like that that song on White Pony is not a Deftone song. It is not a song that's written by Chino, even if it says it is. I feel like this is a Maynard song that there are equal chip-ins and they are working within the Deftones, very, very meager faculties at that point. So um, let's talk about Passenger just for a couple of minutes, and then we're going to get into the actual meat of the episode. So, okay. Um, I think I have Passenger at four on my all-time co- or on my all-time collabs of all time. And... I don't necessarily know that I have um, the other three ahead of them. Mapped I, out. I, yeah, they're not mapped out necessarily, but it stays at four because of the init- the album that it's on. And I feel like you'll probably back me on that, that White Pony's pretty much trash except for Maynard. And for the most part, yeah. Why but... don't we talk about Maynard on, pa- on, on uh, track nine from the White Pony? Uh, Maynard on that that was definitely a magnet for me into that album because at that point I was headlong in love with um, Tool as a whole and I think by then maybe I'm wrong I can't remember if it was 2001 or 99 but Meridanoms may have came out and it looks like it came out 2000 I think Meridanoms was 1999 so i was like fully ingratiated with the maynard james keenan just in love with it i've said it on one of these shows but uh meriden alms was the very first album i ever pirated on a t1 connection at school that i convinced the art teacher that i needed to have napster on it to download files for art (laughs) you know and And I had that album three months before it came out, one track at a time on fucking Napster. And it was that album. My God, I can't believe I haven't got into that album recently. But Passenger drove me towards this album a little bit. I think you would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, Rose is probably my fourth favorite song of all time. And it's when you consider that it's Maynard's side project and I haven't even gotten into (laughs) the song for the evening. (laughs) Um, We're getting into some pretty powerful juju at this point. Um, So my pick for tonight is reflection. It's uh, it's track 11 um, off a lateralist tools. I believe it was, uh, fourth release, third or fourth release. Arguably their magnum opus. Yeah. Even with albums after and before and everything. I think 
a lot would argue that that was their their premiere album. Yeah, which I don't know if I agree with because if you look at what all of the like what Tool is is it's it's emotional, so you have to you you can't really absorb it without having a medium behind it. So at 1994's release of Undertow, it's pretty much unprecedented at that point. So um, again, releasing Undertow and having these super, super, super controversial lyrics. And also, never mind that there are um, recordings of Undertow from 1989 uh, so this is a this is a very old album, yeah. Audi at this point, and you know to have, you know to have pretty much no following and except except for the the, the very devout. And, Undertow and, to this day has some of my favorite Tool songs, yes. but it was it was the uh, last album with Paul Demore as the bass player from Tool, yeah. and it's still to this day it's crazy to me but like one of the most iconic tool riffs is paul demore in sober sober has one of the most iconic bass lines of all time like and that guy hasn't been in the band since like 94 or something everybody has those those if you moments that you remember about the about the song sober it's probably from the videos on MTV, oh, those uh, were buck wild, <laughs> right? So, so uh, they were, and they were very novel in their design because they were trying to like show how claymation can move things very, very fast. Yeah. And Paul Demore um, ended up falling just sh- like just on the outside of that. Yeah. So it's like he didn't even land on the like really, really cool part of the 1994 aspect of it, you know, cause I mean, I hate to say it, but that Undertow video even showed up on Beavis and Butthead in 1994. It was yep. on, yep. uh, yeah, it was on, um, Headbangers Ball. Headbangers Ball. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, that was one of those albums or that was one of those videos that I wanted to see like, and like, we're going to sort of evolve through this entire, like, there's going to be, a, I, I would imagine at this point, there will be a Headbangers Ball version of Heaven in a Parking Lot because oh, yeah. um, at very, very minimum, I remember sitting in front of the TV waiting to hear uh, and watch um, Sober by Tool. I wanted to see and hear uh, Ruby Soho uh, by Rancid. And... Um, there's at least five or six more. Uh, again, uh, fucking freedom and rage against by, the machine. By, <laughs> by the more. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, anything from fucking yeah, from uh, from what Woodstock '99. Yep. Oh wow, isn't that crazy? Woodstock '99. Yeah. It's the. Uh, it's the. Uh, um, the. That's the not to keep using the word linchpin, but that's the linchpin with this show. Yep. That's why we are we are here where we are. But again, so reflection. This is a long song. It's a long track. And you need to
to sort of be a super tool fan maybe to just get through um the first 10 songs of uh, yeah. lateral this this album has singles for certain okay but they're not and again they played them on the radio but if you're a fan of tool you don't give a fuck about the radio so like you don't give a fuck that that parabola was was like like five after fours you know uh like absolute crusher of a single you know you just you don't care about these kinds of things but it's it's it's, so it's sort of in the same way um from anima uh if if we're we're gonna go back to 1990 what 90 what 96 i think i think it's 96 it's overall that's overall my favorite tool album yeah it's um, just so personal it's so dark deep just yeah i mean you know. yeah, because you could very easily talk about that reflection is a it's a two part song. It's a three part song, but right. yes. <laughs> I, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll I'll gladly defer to that that point to you because I I didn't hear it before you brought it up to me uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, the three part song would be disposition, reflection, and triad, and I mean. They said that those songs ultimately are to be played as a 20-minute song together. And just when I saw them on the Lateralus tour in 2001 or whatever, Bryce Jordan Center, and they played all three of those songs back-to-back, it was just insane. And those are deep cuts. Those are songs you'd never hear on the radio. But they played a 20-minute block of those three songs and at one point Maynard James Keenan is on stage beating on fucking Danny Carey's drums uh during triad because it just sounds like somebody's got the quads from the marching band or something on stage and they're just fucking beating the shit out of this drum and it was so cool I mean that's that I can't I can't quantify that in words, how cool it was to see on stage. But Maynard fucking beating up on Danny's drums was fucking cool. Yeah, we're going to get back to that um, in uh, just a couple of minutes. But like for for the idea of uh, certain tra- uh, tracks blending into, you know, very, very long and relative um, aspect like aspect tracks. If I go back to Inema and I, I find a way to skip, I, I mean, Stink Fist and Eulogy and 46 and 2 and all those, I I, I have to default to uh, track 10, which is, it's basically, it sort of sounds like, like Hitler's spoken word. And yeah. that sounds really fucked up to say that. And then it leads into just this really, really wildly strong and just guttural fucking. Uh, that's a very similar track to Reflection, and it's called Push It. And I, like, so it's not. Can even... I rewind a second and throw this out there? You know what Dear Von Satan is? Do you know what that song is? It's a fucking uh... recipe spoken in german it's about the the recipes for the balls of satan i think it's a chocolate dish 
and it, it it's just basically like no baked cookies but they make it sound like it's a fucking nazi rally because i had to know it felt like tool mixed with hitler mixed with rammstein or something and it's literally yeah. a fucking spoken word recipe and it's like these guys do not take themselves seriously as fucking premier, as top tier as Tool has always been, they do not take themselves seriously at all. That's so fucking awesome because, like, they're so good at what they do. I mean, oh yeah, like push I, it. Let's get into push it. You were starting that. That's one of my all-time favorite Tool songs, and it's another one that was never gonna be a single. You know, ever. No, it could never be a single. But at the same time. It is so fucking powerful. Like, it's just, it's visceral and guttural. All those things that, like, Heavy Metal Parking Lot embraces. Yeah. Yeah, like, the lyrics. I mean, I've never had a problem personally understanding Maynard's voice. But if you don't understand what he's saying, read along while he's singing and just read along to that song it's intense as is probably my favorite tool song of all time third eye which is crazy because it's like a 13 minute song Mm. and it's peppered with uh what the hell is his name the (laughs) fucking oh jesus christ i'm gonna go ahead and edit this retardation out um don't worry about it no the stand-up comedian Jason and I were talking about him the one day. He's talking about, I smoke two. Two what? Two lighters a day. It's uh, <laughs> fucking, it's peppered with all his uh, comedy routines and stuff. But the song Third Eye is just like, if ever there's been a song to transcend, like, open your third eye to make you feel more than human that song for me and while we're at it onima track 13 on that album i can't believe that was ever a single with as many fucks as was in that song yeah they seem to have i mean kind of glossed over uh sort of the radio idea of what a single is supposed to be um but then again maynard was willing to do that uh with actually collabing with chino to do passenger at that point, I suppose. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I look, I don't want to keep stepping on fucking Chino Moreno, but at the same time he did team sleep. So I, it's yeah. slow hanging fruit at this point. Yeah. Um, comedian's and, name is Bill Hicks, by the way, Jesus brain fart, drunk fart. Who cares? I, it, his name's Bill Hicks. If you don't know Bill Hicks, he's long since passed. You should check him out. He was definitely in the Maynard James Keenan wheelhouse of expanding your mind, be it through chemicals or through just opening your fucking eyes. Bill Hicks was a pretty interesting comedian that I don't see a lot of them like that right now, you know? Yeah, uh, Bill Hicks is um, he's a, he's a benchmark in most uh, even podcasters um, sort of wheelhouses at that point. So if if I would love to be as entertaining as Bill Hicks was on his worst fucking day. Oh, yeah. So and, you know, I guess maybe with that because i'm not gonna i i won't recap too too much about this whole thing because 
uh, if I mean, if you're not familiar with Reflection, it, you're going to notice it's largely a it's not instrumental per se, but it's definitely mood music. It's sort of that it's sort of that. Um, I don't know. I, it, it's going to put you in a place and I want it to put you in that place. And I don't want to be the influence that puts you in that place. Um, if if you need to, if if it's your thing, smoke a big old spliff first because it'll put you there with or without the fucking pot, and just just get in your zone, man. Listen to this song; it it's gonna put you in a headspace. Yeah, and you know we could get into it, and I you know there's a chance after edit at this point I may get into some lyrics and stuff like that. I don't know that I need to. I just like let it impact you in your own way. It's always building. It's building towards something, and that's fucking awesome. It's I great swear to, to. I swear to God, I'm sorry not to walk on you again. I'm a little toasty right now. Um, the, the fucking outro riff to this song is one of my all-time favorite guitar outro riffs of anything, and that is such a weird thing to say but the outro riff that it's just so fucking tight it just sounds so cool go check this song out if you don't know it i don't know how you found us because i feel like this is a given like an sat given answer this song this album go check it out like the there's like eight and a half minutes of just building towards I don't know how to do shit. I really don't know how to do shit. I don't really know how to do shit. And then there's like two hours or like two minutes and 40 seconds where it's like before I find a way. And then you have this weird kind of like funny like exhale. And it's like it's so fucking cathartic. And I swear to God, everybody needs that shit right now, dude. Oh, for sure. Everybody needs it. Like Nobody knows how to get it. Go listen to Reflection off of fucking Lateralist. 2001 Tool. Fucking ignore all the fucking singles and shit. Jump to fucking... I mean, well, I don't know. What? Start at 10, right? (laughs) Start at 10, I mean... Start at 10. You could do worse. If you want to double back afterwards, that's fine. Yeah. Like... 10 is Disposition, 11 is the song we're referring to, Reflection, 12 is Triad. Um, It's interesting, 13 is actually a, it has since been debunked, but it's a, uh, I think it was AM Coast to Coast call. Somebody called in and said that they knew information on, I think in this particular case it was Area 51, and extraterrestrial life and stuff. And it the, the call has since been debunked, but it was one of the most famous AM uh, coast-to-coast calls that it kind of went viral before the word viral was a big thing. And in retrospect, they're probably going to change that after this whole COVID shit, but... I'm pretty sure it went viral because of Problematicast. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but listen, uh, we've enjoyed terribly having you listening, listening to, uh, what, uh, episode five or four or five. Was it, are we five here? I don't know. <sighs> okay. So, so we've enjoyed having you listen to this episode. Of this particular episode. <laughs> that's right. That's where that cut is going to land at. Um, I do appreciate 
you guys listening to us at that point. Um, we have been trying to improve what your day in day out listening uh, consists of. If nothing else for the novelty, uh, 2021's coming up. It's a two decade sort of thing, and we're Isn't probably not going to cover not? that. Yeah, I mean, we'll get we're probably we'll we'll get canceled by that point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is Rebel Radio. They can't cancel us. Fuck them. Um, we haven't been canceled yet, so that's a good sign. No. Um, take care of each other out there. It's getting crazier by the day. Um, try to seek out some good news. There's good news out there every day. There's people that are being fucking heroes to each other and everything and uh wash your goddamn hands i i just can't say it enough i didn't believe this shit at first but like i can't believe people need to be told you know keep safe we want to see this quarantine end so we can go do live shows and shit yeah i would love to be on the road right now but we can't because you know covid's real and we don't want to like it any more than you guys do we don't benefit from it being real like you guys aren't at this point so i mean let's just keep let's follow directions just for a half a minute you know yeah please let's just go through the let's go through the motions and so we don't breathe dirt and (laughs) so we don't blow our fucking brains out (laughs) <laughs> and remember where you part
Heavy Meadow parking lot is a product of Darwin's Family Crest. Derek Schallenberger and Jeremy Brubaker are all rights reserved. Except with licensed music, because we don't own any of this stuff. We're just playing it as an homage. And obviously if we're playing it, we have a love for these bands and such. So uh, please don't sue us. That'd be great. We'll see you next week. Remember where you park.